If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews 11. Uh, We're going to be looking at mostly verses 1 through 3, but we'll look at uh, verse 6 as well. And it says this in verses 1 through 3, Faith is the confidence that we hope for what will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Through faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed, at God's command that we can now see did not come from anything that can be seen. One of uh, my heroes in the faith, a guy named John Bassanio, who is a pastor down in Houston, Texas, said this, that faith is the heart of life. You go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce, he gives you a prescription you can't read, you take it to a pharmacist you've never seen, he gives you a medication you do not understand, and yet you take it, right? Right? This morning, you woke up by an alarm clock that you set and by faith hoped it went off. You flipped on a light that you, by faith, thought that the electricity would work and go through all the wiring and then turned it on. You started your car up this morning and by faith, the motor was going to crank that you would be able to start your car and you're here. So all of us, in fact, are living in some form or fashion every single day with faith, right? The main thing is, where is that faith? Some of us actually, you probably by faith, went to the post office and mailed a letter. That's real faith. The object of our faith is what I want to talk to us about the morning. What is the object of our faith? Sometimes it's misplaced. The same is true of spiritual faith. Think about this. Buddhists have faith in Buddha. Muslims trust in Allah. Hindus believe in various gods. In fact, thousands of gods, right? Most religions put their faith in the ability to keep the rules, to be good enough, to satisfy their gods, to reach nirvana or build up enough good karma. Think about this. Even when people claim to have no religion at all, they still live by faith. Every human puts faith in something. It may be the notion of human Potential. It might be the supremacy of science or reason or even political power, but all of them have a faith in some vague concept, even something as crazy as something like oneness in nature. Oh, there is faith that everyone is living by. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it gives us a real understanding of what biblical faith is. That's what we want to understand. What is Biblical faith. Hebrews 11 gives us a concept that is huge in that. And it's biblical, and that's what we want to look at. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 puts it this way. We live by faith, not sight. So, in your notes today, there's a couple things that I want you to be ready. First of all, this is out of Hebrews 11. 1 through 6 is the main verses. 1 through 3 will be some of the ones that I read to you again. What is biblical faith? A.W. Tozer said this, it's an interesting explanation that he gave. Faith is seeing the invisible, but not the non-existent. Some people think faith is believing in something that is not actually there. Biblical faith believes God when he tells us there is a reality, which we cannot see. Faith means that we keep our eyes on God who controls our circumstances, not on the circumstances themselves. That's 2 Corinthians 5.7, we live by faith, not by what? sight. So one of the things that I'd like to do this morning as we see what biblical faith is, 
is let me give you about three or four things that biblical faith is not. Here's number one. Faith is not, biblical faith is not a blind leap into the dark. Some people think if you ignore logic and reason in order to believe in God, the fact is that you're actually believing there is no God requires, in my opinion, some unreasonable kind of faith. If atheists and agnostics and, and, and what we'd say secular humanists were to put their words into how they believe, it might sound like this. By faith, we believe that the universe has evolved from mindless matter so that order accidentally emerged from chaos. Y'all can write that down as a quote, by the way. Here, I'll read it to you again. It might be by faith that we believe that the universe evolved from mindless matter so that order could accidentally be emerged from chaos. They would be hard-pressed to find any evidence of the statement of faith in that. Why? Because even science consistently shows that order does not grow from chaos and that a design points to a designer. Hebrews 11.3 is something that I believe is much more plausible. By faith, verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Both of those creeds require faith. But Christian faith is compatible with logic and reason. It's based on historical evidence. It's supported by biblical record, by personal testimony, and quite honestly by most of our own testimonies, is it not? D.L. Moody said this about faith. I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in Romans that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. I had up to that time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I open my Bible and begin to study, and faith has been growing ever since. What kind of biblical faith do you and I have? Another misperception about faith is that that we can make God do things that we want. That's not biblical to manipulate God. Some Christians think that faith is some kind of magic potion. You can name it, claim it, or I like this one better. You can blab it, gab it. Just blab it and grab it and make, make it sound like it's yours. And that we can have anything we want. But unfortunately, what happens when that faith hits a major disappointment? What happens when somebody's not healed? What happens when you don't get the finances that you thought you were going to get? What happens when it doesn't work out how you want? Then all of, our, all of a sudden, our faith that we thought was biblical really crumbles. What is biblical faith? Another misperception that we have about faith is that sometimes knowing all the right facts and learning all the right rules. But faith does not adhere to doctrines. Biblical faith is about a relationship with a personal God, our Creator. In the Old Testament, it's amazing how God is often referred to as what? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's personal. If you think about it, it makes sense. Think about if, if you were to, to talk about me personally... And if you wanted to know something about me, you can know something about Jonathan Beasley, by my social security, you could know by my bank account, you can know by my address, right? You could know those things about me, but if you really wanted to know something 
about me and who I am, then you might say, well, Jonathan is the son of Jay and Jenna and Brock. Jonathan is the husband of Elizabeth. Jonathan is the pastor at the church at Arkansas. Jonathan has uh, Manly and Stephen and Debbie as his siblings. Jonathan is the son of Manly. Not that Manly, another Manly. Jonathan is the son of Marthy. More detail, look at it this way. If you want to know who someone, what someone is like, look at the people they spend time with and who they hang out with. If you want to know who God is, look at the people that he cares for and the people who care about him. What is biblical faith? What is it? Maybe we can answer that by seeing what it does. So that's what we see in the rest of this chapter, roughly verses 4 through about 11. And it gives some detail to these different people. So the first guy we're going to look at is this guy. His name is Abel. What is biblical faith and what does it do? First thing it does is worship and put Abel out by him. Worship. The first worshiper that we see is Abel. The younger brother of Cain, who was the first man born to his parents, the text reminds us in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Abel worshipped God in obedience with a sincere heart. He pleased God with his faith. Unfortunately, Cain's offering wasn't pleasing to God, was it? And so what did he do? He killed his brother because his offering wasn't pleasing to God. He killed him out of envy. He killed him out of jealousy. But Abel's worship still stands as an honest testimony to you and I. Faith that pleases God will always lead to worship. How did you come to worship this morning? Did you come to worship and you were ready to sing praises? Did you come to worship and you were ready to read the Bible? Did you come to worship and you were kind of prayed up? Did you come to worship and maybe a, a little frustrated with your kids this morning, or husband or wife, or the Razorbacks? <clears throat> a little frustrated in how we had to worship? A little frustrated with, by the way, the... Switch has happened. The good news for you guys is there's usually always parking spots in the second hour. <laughs> Bad news is the first hour struggles a little bit with parking. You drive up and, hey, there's no problem with parking. That's easier to worship, isn't it? It's easier to worship when, by the way, just parents, I'm letting you know this, we're getting to be a little bit sticklers on the little stickers with your name and your kid's name. So if you go back there, don't get frustrated when we're asking to match up the stickers because we're trying to be safe with your children. That could affect your worship today. I, I can't get my kid from church. Uh, that could affect your worship. How did you come to worship today? Did you come with a critical spirit about, oh gosh, the band just doesn't, uh, they just don't have it today. Matt just, oh, what was wrong? What has happened to the other television over there so we can see on this side? That's affecting our worship. Why is it so cold that I have to bring a sweater and it's fall? I understand. Does that make sense about our worship? And Abel was obedient to God in the first worshiper that we see. We come together to worship in song and reading and sermon. But listen to this. 
What did he say about what did he say about Abel? When God spoke well of his offerings. You want me to get in your business this morning? A faith that pleases God. We can talk about that when it comes to the worship that follows the example in our time of an offering. Hey, how did you give today? Was it out of a heart of joy? Was it a, okay, let me add up, how much can I give? What's the first thing that we sacrifice when times are tight? Hey, that's God's church. Jonathan tells us all the time he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. They got this. You guys, it's not about us as a church. It's about you and your worship of God. Whose car is it? Whose money is it? Whose house is it? Whose stuff is it? Whose is it? It's God's. He's just letting you be a manager of it and a part of it and blessing you with it and doing what, with it what you want to do with it. But you guys, the truth is, is that's a place of worship. And I'll be honest with you, your generation, and I'm saying you because that we're a pretty young church, it's becoming more difficult to worship it in a way that's kind of unique to church because why? Don't answer this, but how many of you actually use a checkbook to do anything? Not many of us. So you give cash, you give cash, you don't get your tax credit at the church. So you know what we do as a church? We make it easy on your generation. You can now give online. By the way, you look in your worship guide today, you can now give, I think even Rick said some. You can give by texting now at the church, just like you do the Salvation Army when a hurricane hits and you put it, you can give by texting. Well, how is that worshipful? Hey, worship is still between you and the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're in your car, if you're at church, wherever you're at, it's worship. So giving is a part of worship. How do you give? You want to know how your heart is? Ask that question. How, how do I worship the Lord through song, through praying, through, through reading the scripture, through giving? How do I worship? The next guy we see is unique. His name is Enoch. I'll give you a, out of Genesis, let me give you a little bit of background on him. It tells us this, that, or you can call him Enoch. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Would that freak all of us out? That, that Enoch walked with God so much. So you have Abel who was about worship. Then you have this guy Enoch that Hebrews tells us about. And Enoch walked so close with God that God just took him away. In fact, look what he says in Hebrews about Enoch. This is in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God took him away. Before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. Could you imagine walking with God so much and pleasing God so much that you didn't have to die? And I admit to you guys that there's some, there's some times that I think about death. Like you'll never find me in Elizabeth. One of our little activities that we will never ever be a part of is don't even offer. Well, I might if you offered. I'd figure out how to cash it in. I'm never going on a cruise. Never going on a cruise because don't want to drown. Okay, don't want to do the drown thing. And some, you know, somewhere back there, I don't know, Poseidon Adventure, Titanic, I don't know, something back there is like drowning, no good for me. Right? But then I kind of started thinking about other ways, you know, fire, no good for me either. And then it's like car wreck, plane, I don't know, how long do you have before you go down? I mean, the bottom line when you start thinking about dying is like, is there really a good way to die? If I'd like to die, I'd like to die like this guy. Can you imagine being so close with the Lord that you had this kind of, 
maybe anticipation with him. You're walking with the Lord so much on a daily basis. Hey, Lord, I'm ready to go if you're ready to take me. I'm ready to be used here if you want to use me here. Lord, whatever you want to do. Would that kind of be freeing? Now, I know on one hand, look, I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to be able to see my boys be somewhat successful in some way. But, but would it be freeing to know that, that, man, some of the troubles and the struggles that we have in this world, that we would just be able to be in heaven with the Lord for eternity? But wouldn't it be freeing to know that I walked with the Lord in such a way on a daily basis that if he keeps, if he keeps me here, I'm good. If he takes me with him, I'm good. That's what Enoch had. His walk with the Lord. His walk was that close with the Lord. Now I admit that's a pretty lofty goal for us. Hey, our walk with the Lord would be so strong. Hey, take me, leave me, whatever you want to do, Lord. By the way, I didn't even have to die, die by physical death because the Lord just took me up. Okay, that'd be spooky for us. But that's how he lived his life on a daily basis. He walked with the Lord in that kind of context. In fact, evidently, he walked so closely that God took him out without him even ever experiencing that physical death. Does your faith and my faith cause us to walk with God? Do you walk with God each day? And that's what Enoch did. He had, that kind of, he had that kind of faith that pleased God. The next guy that he gives us is Noah. And Noah, probably a lot more, more known than obviously Enoch. Noah was a man whose faith led to some hard work. Think about that. So Noah would be work. That's what he was about. A hundred years it took him and his boys to build the ark. Here's what it says by, by faith in verse 7. By faith. Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and he became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Out of verse 7. Noah was a man that worked. Warren Wiersbe says this about that kind of faith. Faith enables us to understand what God does. Faith enables us to see what others cannot see. As a result... Faith enables us to do what others cannot do. Does that sound like what Noah did? Can you imagine Noah's neighbors? Hey, what are you doing? Building a boat. Hey, Noah, do you know it hadn't rained here in a long time? Yep. Hey, what are you doing? Building a boat. The next year, <laughs> what are you doing? Building a boat. Still building a boat. I'm just trying to put myself in Noah's shoes. Wouldn't you feel a little awkward at some point? What are you doing? I'm still building a boat. Right? There's an awkwardness about that. And yet he did it by faith. Why? Because he was believing what God told him to do. There are some times that you are doing what God tells you to do and other people don't understand it and they don't, they don't get it. By faith, Noah continued to build the ark and it was hard work. By faith, you and I continue to trust 
Try to understand what the Lord says. In fact, Wiersbe says it in a great way. As a result, faith enables us to do what others cannot do. Why? Because faith enables us to understand what God does. This is one of, I don't have many fears, but this is one of the fears that I have, and it's legitimate, but I, but, but I say it because it drives me to trust God better. One of my fears is to stand before the Lord one day and him look me in the eyes and him say, hey, Jonathan, you could have trusted me for more. So anytime I see that we have, hey, this service can grow, I go, Lord, how can we fill this service? Lord, how can we add another service? Not because my success is built on the numbers, you guys, but my success in God's eyes is built on how many people are we sharing Christ with that we can turn around and help you to grow so that you can share Christ with others because it's about his kingdom. It's not about a number, it's about a person. And each one of you represent a person that knows someone else that needs the loving, saving grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So the drive for me is, Lord, I don't want to stand before you one day and you say, hey, Jonathan, you know what? You kind of just eased up and coasted. I want to keep growing in my faith in him. I want to keep trusting him. I want to see what God wants to do that can't be explained by me. By the way, I know what I'm capable of, and I'll get the same results every single time. I've heard that the good word for that is called stupidity. Don't you and I want what God wants? Don't we want to see what God can do? Don't most of us want to see what's extraordinary, even though he uses ordinary people to do that? What could God do? What could God do at your workplace? What could God do in your own family? What could God do with your fraternity or sorority or or your team? What could God do where the only explanation of that even happening is God? It's not some good counseling that happened. It's not some good financial plan that got popped in there. All of those are great things that help us. But the only explanation by faith would be God that you'd say, man, to God be the glory. Because that's what he is about. is about his glory to him. And the last guy we see, interesting, he's called the father of faith is Abraham. And the key word with Abraham no, you guys are going to love this one, was wait. Wait. Abraham waited. <laughs> he waited for a home called the promised land. In fact, he had spent his entire life living in tents. I've stayed about six or seven times in tents. I cannot imagine for the life of me spending my entire lifetime in a tent. It was kind of fun the first or second time. Kids, all that kind of deal. And then one night, I remember it got cold. That wasn't fun anymore. And then chiggers happened on another one. That, I was out on that one. Moses had a pretty incredible faith, didn't he? He led the Egyptians. He had a stuttering problem. He overcame all kinds of things. And Moses is somebody we go like, man, look at Moses. This guy, Abraham, he was the guy who is considered the guy of faith. And it says this about him, that he waited. He waited and waited and waited for the promised Messiah and the eternal city of God. He camped out for years waiting. He waited a hundred years 
before his own son was born. Remember God promised he and Sarah that they'd have a son? They had a lot of practice. They had to wait. Tried to do it on their own. Tried to kind of make it work with somebody else. God said, wait, I have a plan. So one of the things that we see about faith is sometimes that we have to wait for that. Look at verse 9. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were the heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, who architect and builder is God. Let me ask you this question this morning. Does, you, does your faith require you to wait? Is it requiring you to wait about an answer to prayer? Is it requiring you to wait about a job offer? Is it requiring you to, rate, to wait for some results of some medical issue in your life? Is it, is it requiring you to wait for you fill in the blank? Let me give you a personal example from this morning. Steve Garrish, who was one of our elders, I think he was the last one that prayed for us. And this is Steve and his wife's journey of faith these last few months. Our faith began with a Dave Ramsey class that, that they had taken, and that's a financial guy who talks to you about biblical issues with, the, with your money and how to work that and do all those things. We decided to look around at another house to lower our housing costs. One Sunday, we sat down and we made a list of all the things that the family would agree upon in wanting, in a, wanting a house. We were led to the perfect house. It had everything on our list. We made an offer. It was accepted. We only needed to sell our current house. Days went by. Weeks went by. Months went by. We began to question our decision. Five months later, we received deliverance. Three days before our mortgage payment was due, we got a signed lease on the house that we were selling and a check to cover the mortgage. That was last Friday. That's how recent that was. It's easy for me to get up here as a preacher and y'all go like, oh yeah, he's got one of those canned stories and he's telling about what God did and faith and all that. That's one of your people that sat in this church that over the last five months prayed and was seeking God and God showed them something that they felt they needed to do for their family that would be better stewards, that would be the way that they wanted to serve God and that they could give. And as a result of that, God tested their faith and they saw God come through. And when did he come through? Now, we sometimes don't like the timing, the way he came through. We sometimes don't even like the way he came through. But the truth is, is that their object of their faith was not their money. It's not their house or houses in this case. It's not their job. It's not their kids. The object of their faith is their relationship with God. We want a faith that pleases God and that will enable you and I to wait and have confidence in him. Those heroes of the Old Testament waited by faith. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says this, All these people were still living in faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them 
and welcomed them. One verse says from, the, from afar, one version. The other says from a distance. Let me put it to you this way. We look forward to the time when we will be reunited with our loved ones who have gone before us. We wait for the time when those who suffer will be comforted. We wait for confidence because we know that the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. While we wait in faith, we continue to worship and we walk with God and we work to his kingdom. That faith is a faith that pleases God. Will you bow your heads with me? Band, if you guys will come up here. I'd like to share one last verse as a prayer with us today. In verse 6, it says this out of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him.